It's amazing. The FBI shows up at his house, the cops, they ransack his belongings, and we love him even more. This has backfired big time on the swamp and all those opposed to uh, the former and probably, yes, future president of the United States. You know, Eric Trump, son of the president, was here last night. Pointed out a couple of things. I want to, uh, what does it say about the priorities of the FBI, huh? You know, it's only so big. They can only do so much. It's actually smaller than the New York City Police Department. How many times have we had a, a terrorist attack or a school shooting and we find out that the FBI actually talked to the person, to the shooter, uh, to the guy who blew himself up? Happens all the time. They had a lead, but they didn't follow up on it, or they followed up on it, and they didn't see anything. I think they should focus on that stuff more than hassling and harassing a president of the United States. Uh, don't you? Also, can you imagine if Donald Trump were president? Eric ran this by me. How much? It's actually smaller than the New York City Police Department. How many times have we had a, a terrorist attack or a school shooting and we find out that the FBI actually talked to the person, to the shooter, uh, to the guy who blew himself up? Happens all the time. They had a lead, but they didn't follow up on it or they followed up on it and they didn't see anything. I think they should focus on that stuff more than hassling and harassing a president of the United States. Uh, don't you? Also, can you imagine if Donald Trump were president? Eric ran this by me. And former President Barack Obama's compound at Martha's Vineyard was raided by the FBI. All right. I mean, impeachment proceedings would be imminent, correct? If Donald Trump were the president. Incredibly unfair, but we're used to that. It doesn't matter, though. We're still winning. Hey, who's, who's old enough to remember this? Yesterday... December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Well, we know it from history. Um, if you were old enough to remember it, if you were an adult back then, you're probably close to 100 right now. God bless. But um, August 8th, 2022, a lot of people are saying that this is a day that will live in infamy. And I think there's something to it. August 8th, 2022, a date that will live in infamy. In my view, this is a raid that will go down in infamy. It's the 8th of August, a day that will go down in infamy. And all over Twitter, people making the same uh, observation, just like Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I know, we didn't lose any lives on August 8th, but it does feel like a very significant moment in history. And here's another one. What happened on December 8th, 1941? Hmm? What did the Japanese recognize from Admiral Yamamoto? I fear all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. A guy named Danny pointed this out to me from Massapequa, and I... <laughs> Don't you feel like there's a renewed resolve about all this? And the numbers seem to bear that out. Take a look at this poll. 83% uh, of those polled more likely to vote in the 2022 midterms as a result of the FBI raid. They polled Republicans and makes a lot of sense to me. You know, here's something else. It's one thing to uh, compete in a campaign, to try to beat your opponent. Listen carefully to the words they use when they describe how they're going to stop Donald Trump. 
I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. I hope the American people can see that a man like this doesn't belong anywhere near the Oval Office. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. Near the Oval Office. I got to admit, I thought I, I didn't really notice that, but no, they want to take him out before he can run for president. They don't want to beat him at the uh, ballot box. They want to arrest him, indict him, who knows what, not let him get near. This is not the way it's supposed to work. And the effort is continuous. The FBI on Monday, today, the state attorney general, a lunatic by the name of Tish James, Letitia James, she is the New York state attorney general. Uh, Donald Trump had to go to her office today for a deposition, but I love the way he handled it. Uh, he didn't answer any questions, none. And he put out a magnificent statement that said so much about the proceedings, so much about how all of this is unfair, especially this woman, Letitia James. All right, take a look at uh, item one from the statement. You know, everything he says is backed up by facts. James developed a political platform and made a career out of maliciously attacking me and my business before she was even elected. Here's something that nobody, too many people make the mistake of not taking Donald Trump seriously. When he says this stuff, he can always back it up. Take a look running for attorney general because I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president when our fundamental rights are at stake. Does that sound like a lawyer? Hmm? Does that sound like a, uh, a law enforcement officer? I guess today, by today's standards, maybe. But this is not a neutral person. This is not somebody who can be trusted to evaluate the evidence. Next, what did Donald Trump say about all this? Letitia James openly stated her hostilities toward me and a kind of retribution that is unthinkable. He is right. I say one name, Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Will you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain. He's going to know my name personally. She's not running for uh, sorority president and feuding with the, I don't know, the fraternity next door. This is crazy stuff. An attorney general for New York State talking like this. One more. Uh, we cannot permit a renegade and out-of-control prosecutor to use this investigation as a means of advancing her political career. Uh, yeah, she is out of control. Yeah, you're running for city council. You're running for crazy person in chief. Anyway, that's out of control. It's not the way an attorney general of any state is supposed to behave. So uh, how is Joe holding up? All right, because, well, the Justice Department seems to be doing his bidding. Take a look. And this has been pointed out on social media. Notice anything <laughs> when we had a real president? I mean, what it looks like, what leadership, what determination looks like. And Joe, he can't get his jacket on, can't really make his way out of the helicopter. He is weak. We see it all the time. And when you see it, it is heartbreaking. This is the United States of America, a great country. And here he is kind of 
schlepping across the lawn. Uh, now, you may have seen the coughing fit he had the other day. Uh, did you take a look? And securing the future, excuse me. All right. Now, this happens to people. It happens to younger people. It happens to older people. It happens. And he just got over COVID. Maybe you did not see this part, though. After the coughing fit right into his hands, he's shaking everybody's hands. Somebody had to stop it. I mean, talk about a super spreader. I don't want Chuck Schumer to get sick. I don't like him, but I don't want him to get sick. How about that woman? You can't be touching people like this. And, uh, it doesn't appear as though he went to the bathroom after that coughing fit. Bad, bad stuff. Uh, anyway, he's on vacation already. He's on vacation again. Uh, didn't he say he was going to, I don't know, you know uh, fight, never stop, something like that? I will not rest. And I mean this from the bottom of I will not rest. I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent. I will not take no for an answer. I will do everything in my power. The moment we rest is the moment that our influence diminishes. All right, you got it. Joe never sleeps. He uh, just never stops. In fact, getting Brittany Griner out of Russia. My administration will continue to work tirelessly and pursue every possible avenue. But first things first, he's on vacation again Going to South Carolina, getting on Air Force One this afternoon with the family, including Hunter Biden, who's been showing up a, a lot more lately. Where is he? In some resort on, uh, what, Kiowa Island, uh, Oceanfront Golf Resort. Okay, uh, everybody takes a vacation, but didn't he just get back from Delaware? He goes every weekend and kind of reminds me of The Naked Gun. Who's seen The Naked Gun? Great movie from the late 80s, I think, um, detectives in Los Angeles, and their partner is shot. He's hurt, but he's going to live. He's going to make it. The detective is played by O.J. Simpson. He's in the hospital. These two guys visit him and comfort his wife. Watch. Wilma, I promise you, whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. Yeah, come on. Love it. Love that line. Just like Joe Biden, right? We will not rest. We'll tirelessly work right after we get back from the beach. No, I know people say, well, what about Trump? Didn't he go? Uh, didn't he golf? Didn't he go to Mar-a-Lago? You ever see him down there, by the way? First of all, he's always working. That's Shinzo Abe, the late Shinzo Abe with him. And when he golfs, he's not relaxing. You know, he did build golf courses for a living. The guy is always working. Make a big high tea over here. Okay. Make it high. Now, where else are you putting teas here, Martin? I don't like the bottle. I don't like the size. I don't like the label. Other than that, it's <laughs> Get smart. Use your brain, okay? You know what? Who cares? Get it done and don't spend a lot. How about this? <laughs> okay. Normal people don't golf that way, and we're happy he's not normal, all right? This is not a guy. You don't become a billionaire by taking weekends off and going on vacation, all right? So back to Joe Biden. There he is, president of the United States. Hard to believe that this mediocrity who started out in the United States Senate at the age of 29, huh? Got elected when he was just 29 years old. Look at how confident he was back then, you know? He really thought he was something special. To start the uh, testimony for the evening, I call Senator Biden of Delaware. 
Senator Biden, welcome to The Advocates. Thank you. Good to be here. Senator Biden, it's nice to have you here as the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there. I wonder if you'd say to us, <laughs> since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I thank you for that, though. Wow. Talk about cockiness and talk about <laughs> this kind of prescient, right? So a couple things to remember about Joe. He came of age politically in the early 1970s before the Watergate reforms. You know, J. Edgar Hoover was still the FBI director uh, the year he ran for the United States Senate. Things were very different back then. Using the FBI to go after your political enemies that was done back then. Nixon was bugging the Democrats. Johnson was bugging Nixon. They all did it. This is how he thinks, I do believe. Also, Strom Thurmond, who for most of his life was a, well, he was a racist. He was a man of his, uh, you know, well, he was a racist. But Joe, and this is, some would say this is a good thing. Joe found common ground with this man, even spoke at his funeral, Strom Thurmond, senator from South Carolina, after he died, arranged it for Joe Biden to deliver the eulogy. Listen to what Joe said. I disagree deeply with Strom on the issue of civil rights and on many other issues, but I watched him change. We became good friends. I'm not sure exactly why or how it happened, Nancy. But you know we did. I do know that friendship and death are great equalizers. Where our differences become irrelevant and lonely, the only thing that is left is what's in our heart. You know, that's kind of nice, actually. That's kind of nice. Very nice. But it's a long time ago. Joe has now changed. He was able to find common ground with somebody he probably had very little in common with. But there they are. I kind of like that. But that's not Joe Biden anymore. He pledged to unite this country. No, he has no interest. Now he's just telling ghost stories nonstop, trying to scare people. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Those who stormed this Capitol and those who instigated and incited and those who called on them to do so held a dagger at the throat of America. The defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. Wow. All right. So he can't find a way to make peace with half the country, it seems. Yet, Strom Thurmond, wow, they were brothers. Take a look at this figure, 59%, 59% of Americans are concerned about Biden's mental health. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, 83% of Republicans are more likely to vote as a result of this FBI raid. Tell me, who had a better week, huh? All right, stay with us. Coming up, is this racist? Children drinking milk. Our woke culture says, yes, it is somehow. We'll be right back. Yeah, 
is Fauci. He's still out there looking for attention, looking for recognition, and he got some in Seattle at the Mariners game. First pitch, enough with this stuff. Go home. Go away. We don't like you. We never did. Bad advice. You got everything wrong. Anyway, the fans, even in woke Seattle, let him have it. You see, he's on the mound now. Boo! Boo is right. Good for them. Uh, anyway, he did throw the pitch a little bit better than he did in the middle of the pandemic. Remember that? When he went to the National Stadium, it was closed for everybody except for him, and he embarrassed himself bad. Oh! <laughs> anyway, just a quick update on Fauci. He still has a job somehow. Uh, $720 billion, just what uh, an inflationary economy needs, right? $750 billion, excuse me. Joe doesn't have a clue about where this money is going. What we're doing today, we passed yesterday, helping take care of everything from health care to God knows what else. God knows what else. Well, a big, big chunk of this, I guess more than half, uh, is for climate stuff. Uh, incentives, uh, tax uh, breaks, all kinds of things. You know, the government never does, they don't know anything about technology. They almost always get it wrong when they make these kinds of investments. It's one thing to, hey, build us a spaceship that'll take us to Mars. That we're good at. But this kind of stuff, no. Take the cell phone. Do you remember how big the cell phone used to be? Gordon Gecko on the beach, that ridiculous uh, walkie-talkie. And then what is the phone like today? It's amazing. Streamlined, works uh, pretty well. A lot of drop calls. But the private sector made that happen. They wanted to give the consumer a better experience. When the government gets involved, they screw it all up. This electric car thing... I'm sorry, they're just not there yet. And if we throw billions of dollars at it, I don't think they're trying to rush this. Let them do their thing. And people in the Biden administration don't know what they're doing. We're asking Americans through subsidies and through their purchases to pay for China, who has, I think you wouldn't argue, 80 to 90 percent market share of everything that goes into an electric vehicle. What are you doing to make it easier and more affordable to mine critical minerals in the United States to support this industry? One thing we've been working on with the Department of Energy is better sourcing of some of the elements that go into batteries, for example, uh, ideally in the United States. And if not in the United States, then in geopolitically friendlier territory. Duh, he used the word geopolitically, geopolitically friendlier territory. This is what these guys do. They show a basic, somewhat familiarity with the terms, but they know nothing about the actual process, about what they're talking about, because they've never done it. The government is bad at technology. This is famous, actually, all the way back when they started the patent office, the U.S. patent office. Some federal official famously said this. Everything that has that can be invented has been invented. All right. That was all the way back in 1901. Tell that to Henry Ford, by the way. Henry Ford got this company up and running, not with uh, tax breaks from the government, all right? It was consumer demand, mass production to get those cars that people wanted. 
That's the way it works. And uh, why are they telling us that we can't drink milk or that children can't drink milk? This is a true story. So milk, it comes from cows, right? Who has a problem with cows? Well, the environmentalists do for the, uh, for the methane, whatever. But um, come on, this is, uh, this is okay. This is healthy, especially the milk. Americans love milk. We need it. Well, I don't drink milk. I put it in coffee, but that's about it. Kids, all kids are supposed to drink milk. Yeah, right? No, this is racism. Yes, a new kind of racism. It's called dietary racism. This is no joke. They're talking about this, pushing dietary racism. The Hill reports that civil rights groups, including Al Sharpton, uh, urged the USDA to fix dietary racism in school lunch programs. Are you kidding me? Take a look at this. Uh, it reads as follows. If uh, the group said the national school lunch program only incentivizes dairy milk, a policy they called inherently inequitable and socially unjust because children of color are more likely to be lactose intolerant. Have you ever heard that in your life? Yet Black Lives Matter, so does our health and nutrition. I'm sorry, but the national school lunch program has consistently failed children of color. Okay, it is hard to imagine a more inequitable and socially unjust USDA practice than the force feeding of milk to minority children in our schools. Uh, we had milk in school. Uh, some kids got it. Some kids didn't. Uh, I generally did not take the milk. <sighs> Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Oh, what is really racist, though? The military. Oh, boy, the military has been so racist and they got to get woke fast. So they're promoting people of color left and right because, well, the New York Times is calling for it. This is such a disservice, especially to people of color, in my opinion. I served for nine years on active duty, and this is a new four-star general in the Marine Corps. His name is Michael Langley. Four stars. Great. Congratulations. Awesome. Problem for me is the New York Times seemed to will this promotion into reality. Uh, they had a big story here. After 246 years, Marine Corps gives four stars to a black officer. But here's the problem in the fine print. Uh, yeah, so many white men. For so many years, it's been run by white men. As if that's the problem, those white men. You've seen it. It's a bad thing to be. There is a negative connotation to white men, white people. Nobody should be judged for this. It's the easiest thing in the world to go around counting faces, who's white, who's black, who's whatever. But the underlying things that are going on, that's uncomfortable. It's also hard to fix. Anyway, in this story, it says, uh, and again, nothing against General Langley here, but uh, he says the fact that junior Marines can see this his promotion, they will see that no matter what background you come from, you can achieve in the Marine Corps as long as you perform. I'm sorry, but that was the message long before General Langley ever came around. But this is the prevailing view now. And this is, well, some officers turned out and I think they felt more connection. I mean, by their own description to General Langley because of his ethnicity, his race, than the uniform. It's about the uniform. It's about the purpose. It's about the cause. It's about the country, not about what's on the outside. And it gets worse. I'm sorry. It gets more divisive. Take a look at this uh, from an earlier story in the Times. Many African-American Marine officers believe that to succeed in the Marines, black officers must find a way to tell white officials what they want to hear. 
Those who do, they say, are seen favorably. You think? Uh, welcome to the world, okay? This is how it works everywhere. I'm sorry. You can go in there and tell the boss exactly how you feel. That may or may not work out for you, no matter what you look like, all right? I speak from experience. I was in the Marine Corps, active duty for nine years. And uh, you know one of the reasons why I went into the Marines? Well, number one, my father was a Marine. He inspired me. Someone else did as well. Back then, it was General Colin Powell. He was amazing, and there was a lot I liked about him. Uh, number one, uh, he was not widely celebrated. He was just a, a quiet performer back in the Reagan administration. He was Ronald Reagan's national security advisor. He was also a White House fellow. This is a pretty interesting program. It's been around for a while. It's, uh, they take you know, up-and-comers with a big future, and they, it's kind of a glorified internship, but he got one. They're very hard to get. In the Nixon administration, I was impressed by that. He also did not go to the most prestigious college in the world. He didn't go to West Point. He went to City College, and he's from the Bronx. And I went to college in the Bronx. I like that about him, too. I also like that he liked White Castle. I saw him talk. We went to the same White Castle in the Bronx. He also worked at a Pepsi factory. Yes, a Pepsi factory. And I've been by this place a million times. Uh, it's in his biography. He's written about this. Others have written about this. Uh, during one summer at the Pepsi bottling plant in Long Island City, Powell swung a wet mop for countless hours. The following summer, again at the Pepsi plant, he was promoted to bottling and pallet stacking jobs. This is the cool part of the story. And I saw him mention this once. The Pepsi plant is right across the river from the United Nations. And when he went back there as Secretary of State, on his way in, he'd look over there and he'd say, yeah, I used to sweep the floors over at that Pepsi plant. He also invented the selfie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did, but this is a picture he took of himself in the mirror back in the Bronx. This is some of the reasons why I like General Powell and I kind of wanted to be like him, you know, when I went into the military. Was it because he was black? No. That's the great thing. It was the great thing about the military. We could leave all this insanity, all the stuff that the silly culture was obsessed with behind. Not anymore. All right. Coming up, this formerly female ESPN reporter is now a man. And the fake news is celebrating big time. I have uh, very mixed feelings about this. Be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Okay, the raid at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Just totally crazy, it seems to me. It was authorized by a federal magistrate by the name of uh, Bruce E. Reinhardt, Judge Bruce E. Reinhardt. I don't know much about him, but it turns out our own John Bachman, host of John Bachman Now, interviewed him on an entirely different subject years ago. John, this is uh, pretty wild. How are you, first of all? Good to see you. Great to see you, Greg. And yes, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's a small world uh, here in South Florida, as you know, and uh, there are only so many uh, former federal prosecutors and federal magistrates. And I just so happen to know Bruce Reinhardt from back in the day. Wow. All right. So it is a small. 
First of all, I was surprised when I found out that this guy did some work reportedly for Jeffrey Epstein. Um, did that come up? What, what can you tell us about that phase of his career? You know, I, I know he worked with uh, Alice Acosta, the former uh, labor secretary and Trump official. It was also a state attorney in South Florida around the same time. Um, and I know uh, Bruce Reinhardt was part of that and then transferred over into private practice. And that's really when I got to know him. He was also active in prosecuting several county commissioners here in Palm Beach County uh, during that time. And he switched over again to private practice and was representing um, one of the commissioners that I knew. She got in a little bit of trouble. Um, but from my understanding, my, my work with uh, my previous communication with Bruce Reinhardt, he was a pretty straight shooter with me. Um, he made himself available. And one of those, you know, when, as a reporter, when you're trying to make contacts and work with these guys and find out more information, you, the least you can hope for is a phone call back. And he was the type of guy that would turn my phone call. And then subsequently to that, you know, we did the interview, which actually was about at the time, which, Greg, I'm sure you remember. I'm sure your audience remembers when the IRS was going after Tea Party groups and conservative groups and Lois Lerner was in the spotlight. And this was right there around the same time that Lois Lerner had uh, been accused of deleting a lot of her emails, which, you know, sounds very familiar to what Hillary Clinton was doing back then as well. Uh, Jim Jordan at the time was very critical of Lois Lerner and a lot of other Republicans were. And since I knew Bruce Reinhardt, I, and he was a former federal prosecutor, I wanted to get his take on it. And so we invited him to Newsmax that day. Uh, the Epstein situation, that was not part of the conversation that day. And, you know, I will say this, Greg, about uh, Bruce Reinhardt and any defense attorney. You know, I, I don't think it benefits us uh, to criticize defense attorneys for what their clients are accused of doing sometimes. I know a lot of people are making that connection. I, like everybody else, have a lot of questions about that. But uh, that particular day, it didn't come up. Well, I agree uh, with you on that and more on that in a moment. But first, we have a portion of the interview. Uh, and I'm sorry, when was this? Uh, when, what year was this? I mean, it was either 2014 or 2015, early, early, early in the Newsmax, early in the Newsmax TV days. All right, let's take a look. Incompetence doesn't necessarily lead to criminality. So and which 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 out of those, those two scenarios right there seems more likely to you at this point uh, within the IRS, probably incompetence. The IRS has one of the most antiquated computer systems in the world. Um, and the fact that emails could have disappeared without Ms. Lerner knowing about it or Ms. Lerner being involved is entirely credible to me. So uh, that's interesting. And I'm glad he talked to you. I uh, disagree with him about that. But uh, Look, you point out that uh, even bad guys are entitled to attorneys. I mean, Alan Dershowitz did some work for Jeffrey Epstein. By the way, I happen to think that Jeffrey Epstein was killed. He didn't kill himself. You don't have to go there, John. But uh, that's kind of besides the point. If I'm upset with anybody, it's the FBI. They know how to get a warrant. They've lied on uh, FISA applications, so they can manipulate it if they want to. The judge is essentially, my understanding, kind of a rubber stamp, right? Yeah, I mean, what really this comes down to, Greg, is what the affiant, uh, the person who swore this affidavit about the evidence inside Mar-a-Lago, it's based on what's in that affidavit. And, you know, a lot of times, from my understanding, the federal judge is basing his decision whether or not to sign off on the search warrant on that. I still think what is really critical at this juncture is that the Justice Department, Merrick Garland or Christopher Wray, get in front of a podium and a camera and explain to the American public why this was absolutely necessary. I think more of the onus, Greg, falls on them to explain what happened to us than on this magistrate, who, as you said, may have just been a rubber stamp and following protocol based on what was in the affidavit. 
Wow. Well, so interesting that you got to talk to him. And uh, John Bachman, we appreciate it so much. Looks like you have a lovely home. We got a glance at your children. And that looks like George Washington from the dollar bill right behind you. What a patriot. Yes. Uh, you know, my favorite president, the original president, George Washington, he's primarily featured here in the house. And it's the, it's the night before the first day of school. The kids are excited and uh, they're excited to kind of be part of this show in the background anyway. Wow. School already. It's all. Wow. Anyway, John, all the best. Thanks so much. And we'll be right back. The New York City Police Department, I believe the largest police department in all of America. The police are retiring in record numbers. Take a look at this. Uh, 2,465 officers filed for retirement uh, this year. That's 42% over last year. This is a dramatic, dramatic departure. Hey, imagine that. Some cops don't like getting yelled at by people and getting generally harassed by uh, almost everybody, it seems. We'd like to bring in the longest-serving police commissioner in New York City history, Raymond W. Kelly, who happens to be my father. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Greg. Good to be with you, pal. So what is happening? Why are these cops leaving? Uh, it, 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 the obvious, no respect, and uh, their hands seem to be tied when it comes to fighting crime? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think this is a major crisis that isn't being spoken about uh, very much, not only in New York, but uh, major cities throughout the, the country. Thousands of police officers, as you said, have, have left since the death of George Floyd. And the real world challenge is to replace them. And recruiting is very, very difficult. The job does not have the appeal in any way, shape or form that, that it did have. And, and why are they leaving? Well, they've been vilified. They've been demonized. They've, uh, lack of respect shown them. Whatever words you want to pick, they have just uh, had it. Uh, the city council here in New York has taken away the right for qualified immunity, which is sort of a good faith defense that police officers uh, can use if they're sued. They cannot use that any longer. So that means their property, their house, the well-being of their family is in jeopardy. The courts just put in, back in place the diaphragm law that makes it virtually impossible to make an arrest of someone who doesn't want to be arrested. And we know here in this county, Alvin Bragg, DA, will not even write up a resisting arrest uh, charge. We've seen these videos of how difficult it is for cops when they're, they're being assaulted and they've got to watch what they're doing. Everybody has a camera, uh, you know, including them. So they're just disgusted. Uh, they've had it. Uh, people are leaving when they can retire, but also police officers are leaving before they can retire. You're just leaving the department. And I've never seen anything, anything like this. They're looking for more hospitable police departments to work for. And also those jobs are not that available. So they're, they're just going into uh, new careers. This is not what they signed up for. And they're, they're voting with their feet. Crime is up in New York City, let's see here, 36.8%, and it was up last year and the year before that. Um, it's interesting, we had a, uh, a mayor, we have a mayor, 
Eric Adams, who campaigned uh, on being a crime fighter, he can't control the situation. People are starting to notice what I think, quite frankly, uh, I've known for a long time, maybe you do too, that he's not a serious person and he doesn't have much in the way of serious ideas or ability. I want to show you this exchange he had recently with the local reporter. There are reports that um, over 500 cops are resigning and over 1,000 are retiring. Does that concern you? Uh, no, it does not. New York City Police Department is an amazing career. You know, I know it firsthand. And we're going to find young men and women who are going to want to be a member of New York City Finest. This is a great opportunity to diversify the department. So, no, people will always want to join the New York City Police Department. Uh, he strikes me as pretty blasé, and I think it might be more complicated than he uh, understands. Absolutely. If he believes that, he's, he's pretty naive. There's a huge problem in recruiting uh, people in, in New York. And we have had certainly the most diversified police department probably in the world. We have police officers born in 106 countries. New York is the most diverse city in the world. So we had a department that reflect that diversity. It's not just a number of black officers or Hispanic officers. You need to have police officers that are representative of the entire city. So they have a crisis. They have a problem. It looks like he wants to uh, overlook it, but it, it's going to it, it's going to be a major, major problem as we go down the road here. Ray Kelly, who uh, graduated number one from the police academy all those years ago, and uh, the trophy back then, I believe, was a gun. Uh, pretty cool. The, 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 the trophy for the number one candidate was the gun. Uh, here we go. Yeah, one police commissioner to a future police commissioner. I love this picture. Anyway, thank you very much, uh, Dad, and uh, to be continued. Good to be with you, Greg. Thanks. Uh, all right, you bet. Say hi to Mom, and I'll be right back. can say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Fake news loves it uh, when somebody transitions. They love the transgender community. They're obsessed with it. Let's see. There's a new entrant. Uh, the name is Michelle Vopel, worked at ESPN. And uh, Michelle is now M.A., transitioned from female to male, uh, ditching the Michelle name, going to M.A., the pronouns that uh, will be used will be he and him. And uh, actually, we have the after picture. And uh, here is M.A. now. Uh, okay. And the world's going crazy for this. So the accolades are from everywhere. Yes. Yay. She did it. Fantastic. Wow. Wonderful. See how this works. Maximum attention for minimum effort. Okay. Just and now. Protected, protected, part of the transgender community. I can't believe, quite frankly, you know anybody who has breast cancer, who ever had breast cancer, women have it, men can have it, to do that to yourself voluntarily when sickness is not the cause. I don't know. I don't know. I think this was a shortcut to uh, what everybody seems to want, attention with minimal effort. So the Morning Joe show, uh, also known as Morning Swamp. Oh, boy, is it swampy. Look at all those people they have on it. So Joe 
Has Trump derangement syndrome, it's even affected his voice. Uh, the guy's from the panhandle of Florida. This is what he sounds like. They're fascists, like people that are making the threats, the people that helped Donald Trump on January 6th, the people that were talking about coming to, to D.C., that it was going to be crazy, that it was going to be wild, they were going to charge the cap. They're fascists. And so they're making fascist threats, and we need to do what the United States has always done. Uh, we need to confront fascism and, and defeat it. So everybody that's freaking out over fascists being fascists, well, guess what? That's what fascists do. That's why we have law enforcement to actually bring fascists to justice. So please don't run around with your hair on fire and say, oh, my God. We can't actually enforce the laws of our land. We can't actually protect classified documents because fascists may get upset on a TV show. A TV show. I'm sorry, but he's kind of effeminate, right? There's something. Um, all right. We're not fascists. Trump people are not fascists. It's a ridiculous allegation. But he says he's an anti-fascist, right? Like Antifa. Antifa is anti-fascist. I wonder what he, uh, maybe that's what he is. All right. Uh, Chuck Schumer was really happy the other day. As you know, it's been a long, tough, and winding road. At last, we've arrived. And we are elated. Every member of my caucus is elated about what happened because we've really, we've changed the world. Changed the world. Mm, we're so elated. Um, this guy should have been arrested. I can't believe he's still a U.S. senator. If anything was impeachable, we all saw it. And look at the glee. Talk about the elation. Watch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. I never noticed this until this week, how pleased he looks about it all, about what he's saying. I have the crowd in the palm of my hand, kind of like Mr. Burns, the way he's looking and drinking it all in. Later, he kind of apologized. But no, I think this is exactly who he is and he should not be in the United States Senate. Right there, he broke the law. I'll be right back. Hey, how many days has it been since Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed? 581 without justice. They just let it happen. So many people are still just standing by. No, can't let this, can't let this stand. We must get answers. There must be justice. All right, many thanks. We will see you all tomorrow. Good night.